Alright, alright. Welcome here to the Rametown Riot Podcast. We're here with Thomas Mayfield. Mr. Bobby Lloyd is out tonight as he is in some family reunion or something like that out in Michigan. What do you have to say, Thomas? Any opening things? Um, yeah, Bobby's in the state where some prominent news in the sports world happened today, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, yeah, good saving, but uh, we're going we're gonna to start it off here with something a little different here today. I don't know if you guys have heard, but Derek Jeter is now off the market. He is no longer able to see other women legally, I guess, or however you want to say it. He is married, all right? So if you don't know anything about Derek Jeter's past, he might have the most impressive women list ever. He literally has dated at least eight models that are unbelievably stunning and some insane actresses. Thomas, do you know anything about this list? I, I'm aware of a different list. Uh, I've once heard about, uh, this is all speculation, but I once heard about a Derek Jeter herpes list. Is this what you're talking about? <laughs> okay, I have not even heard about that list. Okay. Maybe we'll get into that list later. That's interesting. If he has herpes, and a lot of beautiful women have herpes now. Um, but okay, let's get into some of these women. So Derek Jeter, some of these women that he has dated in his life are Mariah Carey, Minka Kelly, Jordana Brewster, Vanessa Miliano, Adriana Lima, Jessica Alba. What? Jessica Biel. What? Scarlett Johansson. And, okay, I'm just going to stop there. But there's literally like four other Victoria's Secret supermodels on there. (laughs) If you've never heard of any of these names, look them up. They're absolutely stunning. So I want to play a little game here, Thomas. Since, you know, he's a baseball player, right? He's one of the best players of all time. Right. I want you to create a starting rotation, so to speak, with these women. So you pick five girls that are your starters, right? You're going to go through the game. Then you pick one ace. Who's the ace in that starting lineup? So who's the one you want? Oh, man. Okay. Overall, sorry, sorry. I forgot to mention Hannah Davis is the one he just married. I guess I forgot to mention his wife now, who's also freaking stunning. Okay, so uh, I don't even know who Hannah Davis is, and I'm looking at her now, and she is unbelievably gorgeous. Gosh, uh, damn. I, I don't know how she's not going to make my starting five, but let me let me think about this. Scarlett Johansson's an all-time favorite. She, she has to go in there. Okay, there's one. Um, Jessica Biel is another all-time favorite. She's going to make it. That's two. Man, Mariah Carey. That's, I mean, that's kind of a legend. Yeah. Is that going to make well, the rotation? Uh, let me see. Who, who's this? Jordana, Jordana Brewster? Yeah, she's a brunette. Okay, Jordana Brewster. Very, very beautiful. Also, um, God, Derek Jeter, quite the... It's insane. Quite the life here. Um, okay. All right, come on. you got to speed this one up. Just go okay, off your gut I'm, here. Okay, I'm going to go with Carrie. Carrie's three. Davis is going to make this, and I can't leave Adriana Lima off of this. All right, so his starting five is Hannah Davis, Mariah Carey, Adriana Lima, Jessica Biel, and Scarlett Johansson. Who's your ace? Who's your go-to? Who's your number one? All right, I, I got to keep it with, like, a childhood favorite. Scarlett Johansson is my ace. Oh, she's gorgeous. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, my, here's my five, my five. I got to go with Hannah Davis, his wife. She's, if you haven't looked her up, she's insane. Adriana Lima, got to throw her in there. Scarlett Johansson, the same thing. But I'm throwing in Minka Kelly as well. She's so gorgeous, too. 
But I'm throwing Jessica Alba over Jessica Biel. Okay. I've always had a thing with Jessica Alba. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but my ace is Adriana Lima. Okay. Adriana Lima, that brunette, green, crazy, whatever she is, but she's stunning. But anyway, we'll end that segment right there. But if you haven't looked at these girls, it's freaking insane. They're absolutely some of the prettiest girls on this planet. And Derek Jeter's dated like 15 of them. <laughs> Any last closing thoughts on this? Uh, Derek Jeter, very, very uh, lucky guy. I mean, he was doing, just thinking about his whole resume as far as not only this, but I mean, he won, I think, three World Series by the time he was like 25 or 26 or something. Oh, yeah, and the way that he was such a superstar in New York City definitely helped his dating prowess, I'm sure. I'm sure, yeah, so... Okay. Kudos to Derek Jeter. There you go, Derek Jeter. Shots, shots out a little jealous, but we'll go for it. All right, all right. Let's transition now to the UFC. And if you haven't heard, um, well, let's start with this. UFC 200 was this weekend. And as you guys know, John Bones Jones was suspended for failing a drug test a couple days before the fight and was replaced by Anderson Silva to fight Cormier. Cormier. And... No surprise, Cormier beat the shit out of Silva. It wasn't even close, and it uh, was kind of a boring fight in a lot of a lot of senses. And then Misha Tate, who was the other champion woman, she got crushed. It wasn't even a fight either. She broke her nose in the first minute of the fight, and Nunez just totally dominated her. And uh, Brock Lesnar won. He had a big comeback uh, from the WWE. And I actually bet a little money on Brock Lesnar and one. I was pretty oh, stoked nice. on that. And, uh, yeah, do you have any takeaways from UFC 200, so, Thomas? I was interested. We talked about previously in the Frankie Edgar-Jose Aldo fight. Aldo dominated. And Aldo dominated. And I really am interested in him fighting McGregor in the future. I, I hate to use the term unlucky with Aldo in that fight, but it was... I mean, I don't know, unfortunate maybe? Just like McGregor caught him in just like the perfect spot right out the gate. I think they're both incredible fighters. I want to see a fight that goes longer between those two in the future. Yeah, so if you don't know, what Thomas is referencing is last time Aldo was in the ring, before this last fight against UFC 200, he fought Conor McGregor, and he got knocked out in about 13 seconds. And before that, Aldo was unbeaten for... Yeah, all those are nine good. or ten years. All those yeah. a really, really good fighter. Very, very special held, fighter. Held that belt for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah, and McGregor literally knocked him out. Caught him with not even like a a super punch. Caught him in the perfect place on a perfect jab to the chin. Right. And it was within like thirteen seconds. So a lot of people fair feel that Aldo needs another redemption shot to play that. But I mean, it's UFC though. We talked about this. What UFC is so exciting is anybody can win at any given night, any time, because all it takes is one punch. Right. So. This women's belt is just being passed around all over the place with, I mean, it started, of course, with Rousey. Rousey was held it for a bit. And then Holly Holm came along with maybe the biggest UFC upset. The biggest upset ever. Ever. And then uh, Tate beat Holm. In the, Tate got yeah. lucky as hell, in my opinion, catching her in the fifth period. But she won. You can't take it and, against her. And now uh, Nunez. Nunez came away with the victory. So, I mean, it's just kind of interesting what's going to happen. I mean, when is Rousey going to come back? And and who is she? Who are they going to set her up against? Because I feel like Dana White wants her to be successful in her return to the UFC. Oh, big time. I think that's really interesting. With Holly Holm fights in a couple weeks. So, if Holly Holm wins... 
who's going to get the title shot, Holly Holm or Rousey? However, Rousey's not medically cleared so yet because Holly Holm kicked the sh- freaking just crushed her right in the jaw and broke her jaw. Not 100% confirmed that her jaw's broken, but I like to say it is. Um, got a root for the New Mexico homegrown. But, uh, yeah, like we were saying, uh, Rousey's not 100% medically cleared yet, and so who's going to get that title shot to fight Nunez, right? Right. It's really interesting. I mean, the UFC wants Rousey in there. Rousey's the moneymaker. Rousey's the one that's going to make the UFC as much money as possible because she's way more marketable. People want to see her redemption fight. It's going to be huge. Whereas Holly Holm, however, I mean, after that loss, she's not nearly as marketable, and she's just so quiet and humble. Fans don't really react to that all the time. This is true. I mean, and then going back also, McGregor is just like kind of all over the place. So McGregor. So you're transitioning to a whole other fight now. Yeah, McGregor now transitioning to the fight that was supposed to happen in UFC 200 against Nate Diaz. So McGregor just has a couple fights that, I mean, might be the most anticipated fights in the whole UFC. And Nate Diaz is no slouch. Nate Diaz can beat McGregor. He, he did, yeah. Diaz beat McGregor, yeah. if you guys don't know. And then there's a, there's a rematch that's going to happen. While McGregor still um, holds the belt... For, no, he didn't. No. He lost the belt. This was that was a title fight. That last fight, because oh, he supposedly okay. retired or oh, whatever. Okay. For a okay. While. So, what do you feel like the condition of the UFC after this John Jones drug test, positive drug test? Because first off, UFC 200 was going to be unbelievable. It sounded like because the Diaz McGregor fight was going to happen, and that was going to be the the main event. That got taken off once McGregor. Semi-retired and all, all of that drama. Then everyone was excited to see John Jones make his return. And shortly before that, he got the uh, got caught. The positive with, drug yeah, test, yeah. Drug test, so. I mean, I, I feel like UFC still made a crap load of money this weekend. However, these fights to me are pretty damn boring altogether. Like, I have no inclination to go back and watch any of the fights over again. And a lot of times, UFC fights, you can watch them over again because they're just exciting, right? Right. And I don't really have any inclination to watch these fights again. And to put it into perspective how big this card kind of was, we haven't even talked about Cain Velasquez, who was once the main event on many UFC occasions and held the belt for heavyweights. He won, and he was the sixth fight of the night. Sixth fight for the main wow. event. Yeah. So. All right, so let's wrap that up. But we're going to go into now the really big news of UFC. Huge news. Huge, 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 huge news. So the UFC just sold. The main owner of the UFC sold his position, sold his rights, sold his company to Michael Mikhail Dell, the investment firm, for $4 billion. $4 billion. It's the most expensive transaction for an organization in sports history. Wow. That, that's unbelievable how it's growing and... Well, to put it into perspective, all right, put this is the most crazy thing. So the two, the guys that sold their ownership, talk about an incredible investment. Considering the brothers, Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta, bought the UFC for $2 million. They went from $2 million to $4 billion. That's impressive. That's, I mean, that's unbelievable. Leaves that's, you a little speechless, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... It's, so we'll see what happens um, with the UFC at this point on. 
the the UFC last, if guess you're wondering so how their money's working in 2015 the UFC brought in 600 million dollars alone okay so it's obviously growing and the big thing why sports in general are growing so much is because these TV deals because you want to watch them live you don't record these things and the UFC's TV deals up in 2018 2019 um, somewhere in that area and that TV deal if they land with Fox and get more live events could be pre- unprecedented could be so much money so People can argue one way or the other where it's a great investment. It really depends on how the owners go with this. Right. So what are – I'm just thinking what are the implications of this sale? I mean one thing I always hear about with the UFC is some of the fighters are not happy with the amount of money that they're generating per fight. Um, they're in the more popular like physical combat sport compared to boxing right now. But from what it shows, boxers are making more money. Boxers make insanely more yeah. money. Yeah. Well, not there's outliers. There's, there's only there's, certain boxers. There's, there's outliers in each in each uh, respective sport. Okay, so you put the top guy in UFC versus the top guy in boxing. It's not even close. Mayweather makes insanely more amount of money than any UFC fighter. Right. So I'm wondering, like, will this sale maybe increase? Can it possibly? I don't know much about it, but I mean, maybe it could. Make some of these fighters um, happier with happier with what they're making per fight. That's a good point because uh, you know, how, like the NFL, they have a players union. The NBA, they have players unions. I'm not sure whether the UFC has a fighters union or a individual union that way. And I'm not sure if this would be established. Maybe that'll be something we'll look up for next podcast to discuss because I think that is interesting. And uh, I don't know. There could be a lot of implications. Dana White, however, is keeping his same. Same control. Position. He's still going to be the president, and he's still going to hold the same amount of percentage of ownership, which is 9% in the UFC. Okay. Okay, yeah. So that was our UFC topic. Uh, really interesting stuff with them selling it and UFC 200 and all these things happening. Uh, we're going to take a short break right here and come back with arguably the greatest player of our generation for NBA for sure retired. And you can maybe argue for any sport. We'll tell you who next. All right, a quick shout-out here to one of our sponsors. Thank you to Wilderness Athlete, the authority outdoor performance from backcountry to the weight room. Wilderness Athlete provides nutrition your body needs. This can go from supplements, protein, to vegetable power juice stuff, to just regular vitamins and your everyday need. Me, all of us here on the podcast use it, and we really recommend it. If you want to find any more information out, you can go look at wildernessathlete.com. All right, we are back here at the Raymtown Riot. And yeah, Thomas, so arguably the best player of our generation so far retired from the NBA today. And he didn't make any big accolades. He didn't make a big speech, a big hoorah, all these things, trying to get a bunch of publicity and all these things. Could you ever guess who this player is? Well, I mean, I heard about it, but, I mean, it's pretty obvious when you say it like that because the announcement was simply fitting for him, quiet and reserved. Tim Duncan retired today, and he has had arguably the most historic career of people in our generation. He, I was thinking about it, going back... So when I was a kid, he's the really the first 
his championship run when he the Spurs first one with Robinson was probably the first championship NBA championship I really remember watching. Yeah, it was Sean Elliott and everyone. Right, and and, and as I've grown up, the Spurs have been competitive and I mean extremely good the whole time he's been there. He is unbelievable. Like it, it's crazy that his notoriety is what it is because people like Kobe. I mean, his going away this year was so much, such a bigger deal. I mean, but... Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like we're going to talk about the Kobe comparison in a second here because it's definitely something we have to talk about because, I don't know, it's, they played the same time frame. They retired the same year. But anyway, go back to Tim Duncan. For our generation, you guys don't know, we're 26 years old. So for our generation, like Thomas is saying, he was kind of that player, right? That he's made the playoffs is pretty much his whole career. He won an NBA title in the second season. He won Rookie of the Year. They won 50 games a season for freaking crazy amount of years, 13, 15. I don't know how many straight years that is, but a really, really strong amount. Uh, what more can you say about it? He's a two-time NBA MVP, three-time Finals MVP, and he's overall five-time NBA champion. It's, yeah, it's very remarkable. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this. One of the things that sticks out to me is, and, and we'll get into this more, but, like, when Kobe retired, there's so many people, like, or other players, for instance, they're polarizing when they retire. But when Duncan retired, it's, like, pretty much nothing but positive praise for him. Like, who out there hates Tim Duncan? Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of people say they don't like Tim Duncan because he's Mr. Fundamentals, right? That's his nickname. He's boring to watch. They're sick of the, they because they affiliate Duncan with the Spurs, which makes sense, and they did not want the Spurs to win ever because they were boring. That's true, but he's I mean, he was hard to criticize still though. Just I mean, his critic his critics say he's boring. But other than that, it's hard to say anything about it. If that's him. your only criticism, you're doing really damn good. Yeah. And, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's in my opinion, he's the best power forward of all time. And his stats will completely show that. Um, and I don't think there's enough accolades we could say about this guy other than that he's one of two players in NBA history to record at least 26,000 points, 15,000 rebounds, and 3,000 blocks. Wow. Do you want me to guess the other? Or what? It's you Will know Chamberlain. Who the, oh, okay. Will Chamberlain. Chamberlain. <laughs> well, I was just wondering because Will Chamberlain, we, we've talked about this on the podcast, we never really knew his blocks. Yeah, but... But, I, but he still had enough. Yeah, they must, either that or they just assumed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's crazy. And I think one thing that I have to mention that is really overlooked by Duncan because for some reason it never got enough notoriety and media attention, maybe because social media wasn't as big when he started doing this, was that Tim Duncan, for many years down the stretch of his career, took less money. When they won the NBA championship and beat the Miami Heat the first time, he was making like fifth or sixth highest paid player on that team. He has often accepted less money in order for the team to sign better players. For Tiago Splitter was making like $4 million more a year than really? Tim Duncan at one point. Tiago Splitter. Kind of the epitome of like, like good teamwork was Duncan. I mean, with he bought into Popovich's system and and his whole career, he was selfless. And I mean, just watching their style of basketball and ball movement, 
it, you can tell he was very selfless player and individual. Completely, and I, I, I really think that really this comes down to Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich really secured their way and cemented themselves in NBA history forever. Um, Greg Pop and Duncan have the most wins of a player-coach duo ever with 1,001 wins, 1,000 wins. Wow. In 19 seasons. So they were together all 19 seasons. All nine, okay. Every season they were together. So I saw that he has the second longest tenure of any player with one team. Kobe, Kobe actually beat him. He has the mo- 20 years uh, with one organization, but Duncan is second. So, I mean, it's nice to appreciate that. You don't see, I, I mean, especially now with all these superstars moving just this offseason, it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, we just talked about Durant moving yeah. and how much criticism he's getting. but Or, I, or Dwayne Wade I thought was going to be Mr. Heat for his whole career. And, if I mean, this might be news to some, but he signed with the Chicago Bulls recently. So, I mean, it's something special when these players are able to stay with the same organization throughout their whole career. It really helps when you win a lot, too. Yeah, but that helps. <laughs> also, uh, I think this transition is really good. I mean, like we were saying, we're going to talk about the Kobe and Tim Duncan comparison. So, Thomas, I have a couple questions for you. Just first off, who do you think had the better career, Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan? Well, accolades-wise... They both won five titles. Yeah, but Duncan has three finals MVPs and two MVPs compared to Kobe's one. Um, I'm going to say Duncan did because the Spurs were always competitive. The Lakers had some very dreadful seasons when, uh, when Shaq left the Lakers. The Lakers were, I mean, I mean and, and at the end of Kobe's career, they had some very awful seasons. Like they were, I mean, for instance, this past season, they were the worst team in the West. And Kobe wasn't the same player, but that's true. But Duncan, I mean, that's testament to Duncan being great. He was able to, I mean, even though he he aged, he was still phenomenal. He was. He was an amazing defensive player still this year. Was Duncan? He was one of the top in the league for his position. And I have to agree with you. I think Duncan. I had the better career, and I think when I think of Tim Duncan, I think he's the epitome of team basketball. And anybody that I've heard a lot of people talk about him, his old teammates, everything, and the way he communicated on the court and off the court with his teammates on defensive spacing and how to play the game and the correct angles and how to approach things was second to none. They pretty much just said that he was the man. Mm. He was the leader out on the court. He's the middle linebacker of that defense at all times. And I think that is really shows a testament of how good he was. And, yes, like you're saying, I just think defense might get overlooked sometimes. Kobe Bryant put up these crazy scoring numbers sometimes, 81 points in a game, and he was a phenomenal player. But I would take Tim Duncan's career. A little slight variation in this question for you, Thomas, here. If you're starting a franchise today, would you start it with Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan? So you're saying I'm going to I'm going to draft one of these players and they're both rookies going yes. into their rookie season. So my answer is going to differ. I'm going to take Kobe Bryant from I think he is from a financial perspective the better player to have. Kobe Bryant if you guys don't remember on the day he re- retired, Staples Center set a new record in selling memorabilia or paraphernalia 
in merchandise. Span, merchandise in a span of 24 hours, beating Led Zeppelin's record. And it just, it just crazy. I mean, if you want to generate money, which I'm sure you kind of get into this business for, Kobe's the guy. And he, and he had plenty of success, too, of course. He was a great player. Yeah. Well, one, one thing you're, there's no doubt about it. Kobe Bryant was way, way, way more marketable. And it's funny, some of you might say, oh, well, the coaching comparison. He had Greg Popovich his whole career. Well, I mean, Kobe Bryant had Phil Jackson. I mean, Kobe Bryant is not a slouch of coaches. He was just, once Phil Jackson retired, they had a slew of them, but he was not the easiest person to coach either, in my opinion. He's so competitive. He's the Black Mamba, and I think that he put a lot of pressure on a lot of coaches without a lot of experience. That, well, that does go against what I was just saying. Um, Duncan was very easy to manage as a player. That's why I'm taking yeah. Duncan. Okay. I would take Duncan. You take Kobe, I take Duncan. You're about the money, I'm about the winning. Okay. Even though they both won five championships. All right, yeah, well, that, that'll wrap up our Tim Duncan tribute, but I really think it's an honor to be able to watch Tim Duncan, and I really appreciate the way he's played. And I absolutely, absolutely love the fact of how he retired because it resembles his career and how he was as a person, how he portrayed the media and really displayed himself to the public. He wasn't the most transparent guy always. He was just was him. I mean, Kobe Bryant was getting accolades for the last three months of his season, whereas Tim Duncan doesn't even send a letter to the freaking newspaper. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty well, remarkable. That, that's so fitting. It's so fitting of him. I mean, just to not want the attention on him. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, all right, all right. We'll, we'll take uh, one final break here, and we're gonna talk about the Euro Cup and a little bit of what Thomas was talking earlier today about uh, some things happening in Michigan that are rather interesting, and then we'll end it with our rapid riots. See you in a second. I guess. Back here on the Raymtown Riot. This is Thomas talking to you about Knob Hill Bar and Grill. should go in and see our boy Bobby bartending there Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Excellent food and drinks. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Bobby's one of the better bartenders in town, so go check him out. He likes to be tested with all, all the different kind of crazy drinks you can come up with. So if you don't know where it is, it is on Central and Bryn Mawr. If you want the phone number, it is 266 44, 55, go check them out. Excellent food and drinks. All right, we are back here with some football talk. We're talking soccer, the biggest tournament of uh, the international tournament, I guess I'll go ahead and say, of the summer for soccer has just ended. On Sunday, the Euro Cup final took place, France versus Portugal. And Portugal was able to close out the deal and win 1-0. And Raymer's going to tell you a little bit more about this match. Yeah, France was the home team as it was hosted in France. And Portugal won 1-0 even though Cristiano Ronaldo got hurt in the eighth minute of the game. A very aggressive tackle by France. It was legal. It wasn't ridiculous. I took out Cristiano Ronaldo's knee. And he tried to play through it, he, but he finally went out the field in the 25th minute, and he couldn't, he couldn't really run at all. It was completely obvious. And Portugal still escaped the victory, 1-0. France had so many opportunities, though. So many opportunities. They hit the post oh, man, with, like, was, two minutes left in the match. That was a killer. At the rate of regular time. 
And then there, uh, the Golden Boot winner, Antoine Griezmann, had a header opportunity that was perfect pass right in front of the net. Out of 100 times, I bet he makes it 94 times. <laughs> Total random guess. I, you could just tell that France was so talented offensively. They have uh, a 20-year-old on that team that came in in the end of the game, Kingsley Coman, Coman kind of the Odell Beckham-looking guy. He just was making plays immediately as he came in. you got to give credit, though, to Portugal's defense. Uh, France was just attacking, attacking so many shots on goal. And Portugal's goalie and and getting back on defense was pretty incredible. Well, the MVP of the match by far is their goalie. He was insane. I don't know. Pedro is really freaking good, too. Um, was it Pedro, the, the back defender? It was something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was insanely good. And... Portugal's getting really scrutinized, and even after the match, I heard some commentators saying, oh, they're kind of embarrassing to the Euro Cup right now because how they play. They played so defensive the entire game and really the entire tournament. The only reason they scored a lot of them was Cristiano Ronaldo with the headers or something that way. And I don't know how you can fault them. I don't get why they're getting all the criticism because they still won. The coach utilized what his team's strengths were to win the game. Yeah, there's just going to be haters out there for for everyone. And then you also have maybe the most notable player in the world on that team. So people are going to are going to do a little bit of hating. But um it was it was quite the thing. I mean, Cristiano went out early as Raymer said, and it looked kind of bleak for them, especially if you were to watch this game, it was it looked just so one-sided. Yeah, it was insane. And my bad for it's Pepe, not Pedro. That was way off. But yeah, Pepe, he's a great, great defender. An older guy who wins all the balls in the air. And the winning goal was actually made by a sub right. by the coach who came in later in the game. And he made it from just outside the 18 box. And it was a brilliant kick. His name is Eder. E-D-E-R. So that guy came in and he was making a huge impact. So this guy... He looks like an NBA player to me, honestly. He was like a black guy with dreads. Well, yeah. Well, and he was tall and lanky. He, and, I mean, he just, I mean, also the characteristics that Raymer, that Raymer pointed out, but he was winning everything in the air as well. And, I mean, and he made a move past, past the defender and shot from pretty far out and, and, and scored a brilliant goal. And, uh... It was yeah, remarkable. It was, yeah, it was it was a really good game, even though it was zero zero at the end of regulation, which is the first time ever. Oh, first time, yeah, ninety minutes. It's been, been zero zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they uh, they made it in the second overtime period because how soccer works is two fifteen minute um, overtime periods, and they scored in the hundred ninth minute. And overall, it was a really actually exciting game, even though Ronaldo went out. However. I still really wish Ronaldo was in the game. It's just more exciting. It definitely is more exciting to have the most popular player in any sport in the world playing. So it was it was kind of a shame that the face of soccer was out. What I found myself doing, and almost every time I watch international soccer, I just think it's so interesting to see these. I mean, it's collectively like kind of like super teams. Like I just keep looking up players 
on each roster and seeing their club teams that they play for, and it's it's kind of mind-blowing. Well, they stack the teams. Yeah. Real Madrid, Barcelona, they stack teams like no other. And I think the most interesting thing, Thomas, that comes to my mind is the fan bases. If you watch these games, the, st- the fans, they never sit. They're constantly doing chants. And damn, it would be fun to be in that environment. If I'm a gigantic San Francisco 49ers fan, and if that was an environment at every 49ers game, I'll be willing to go to a lot more games and pay that $200 a ticket. Yeah, um, unbelievable environment. It, as a sports fan, I think that's what you look for. It might be the yeah. epitome. It yeah. might be the, the top of sports fans there are. Those you can Just watch one of those games. Just watch a little bit of it. They literally are standing the entire game and chanting the entire game. Not, yeah. not, just, not just the youth, not like the student section at a college football game. Nothing like that. Imagine, well, imagine if the student section was the whole stadium. You know, like, yeah. Okay, we're thinking of Cameron Indoor of Duke, right? Cameron Indoor of Duke, how that student section is standing and going crazy the whole game. That's the entire stadium of 80,000 people. It's totally different, and really, I, I think it's amazing. And, yeah, you got to give a shout-out to Portugal, and Cristiano Ronaldo still won the Silver Boot Award. I was – so before we talked about this – oh, by the way, real quick, I won the bet. We had a bet going on between Raymer, Bobby, our guest host, George, and myself last week, and I picked Portugal. So I'm going to get dinner from these guys. But it was um, interesting to see – I mean, it was a shame to see that, that Ronaldo went out because I was making the point before, I want to see what happens if Ronaldo wins, if Portugal wins and Ronaldo wins the golden boot because a lot of people, I mean, there's that rivalry between Messi and Ronaldo, who's the best player, and I think Ronaldo may have established himself more with that if, I mean, he had the better summer than Messi if that were to have happened. Well, it was a rare opportunity where in... Argentina's big event they can do with having the Copa Cup, their big international tournament, Messi to win it and bring it home for his country, and you have the Euro Cup for Ronaldo to bring home a title in his big international tournament, and they both played in the finals. It was a very, very interesting scenario in how it all played out. And Messi missed a PK. Messi did not come through in the final game, and Ronaldo gets hurt. It's kind of weird. However, Ronaldo won't feel any hate because his team won. And Argentina lost. So Messi's getting a lot of criticism. Also, he missed a PK. That's huge. And Ronaldo is not where it came out today that Ronaldo gave, supposedly, according to his teammates, one of the most inspirational speeches they've ever had in their life at halftime. And that's the sign of a good leader. And I've... Been very skeptical on Ronaldo's leadership, and sometimes I think he's too much me, 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 me. But the more I've read about him this tournament, he really sounds like out of the public eye, he's a very good teammate, and he's by far the hardest worker on that team. So I think that's going to sum up our Euro Cup talk, and congratulations to Portugal again, and congratulations to the France striker for winning the Golden Boot Award, which is equivalent to the MVP. And now, Thomas, let's transition here to your big Michigan news. Well, it's not necessarily big, but it's Michigan news that is a little upsetting. So, Draymond Green, Michigan native, was arrested in East Lansing, which is where he went to school. Michigan, that's where Michigan State University is located, uh, for an altercation with 
a uh, man out there, and he's facing assault charges. So Draymond Green, who was um, war, uh, Golden State Warriors player, one of the more notable players on the team, arrested just this early this morning. Yeah, and it's uh, one thing I guess that was happening. The cops were not called. They were nearby and heard the commotion and came by. But obviously it had to be something serious enough for them to arrest Draymond Green. And it said early stages of one of the nights. So it means it's late at night. It hasn't come out in the time. So not really quite sure whether alcohol was involved or anything that way. Uh, but it's really upsetting. I mean, as a big Warriors fan, you hope this is nothing serious and hope that this is just all blown out of proportion because he is a superstar. But, yeah, it's not good news. From a non-Warriors fan, you think, you hope to think Kevin Durant looks at this and it says, I don't want to be around these type of people. Draymond Green's his best bud on that team. <laughs> Maybe not anymore. All right, all right. All right, here's that time again. All right. Rapid Riot's happening now, and Thomas, let's go. Let's see what you got. So, as the Olympics are approaching, we are figuring out who's going to represent the USA for all the given events. And my heart just goes out to this guy, Aries Merritt, who formerly, he's a, uh, he is a track and field athlete, runs the hurdles, 110 and won gold in 2012, representing the USA. Shortly after that, he set in the world championships, world championships an all-time world record. And he has four of the fastest five times um, leading into this year. But when, uh, when they were qualifying during qualifications for the Olympics... He missed out, and he is not representing the USA this year. Did he just run bad, or what happened? He had, yeah, he had, had a bad um, time. Just just happened to this th- for that particular hurdle event. So he, he doesn't represent the USA, even though he's a, he is a world record holder and, and a, a former Olympic gold medalist. Well, that sounds kind of sad for the USA, because I feel like you might give us our best chance of winning right. medals. Well, okay, so you being... Just a sports fan. What do you What do you want? You want. I mean, you obviously want the best people in there. But let's say the argument he did not show up in the big moment to qualify. Do you still want him? No. Like, I think that well. One thing about the Olympics, these athletes work so hard for this moment, and if he didn't earn it at this stage to qualify, he doesn't deserve to get passed. That means the person that beat him worked their ass off to make it, so they earned it. That's true. So you you can't. I mean, th- yeah, that's true. That's yes. how these games work, but you also feel bad for this guy. Yeah, yeah. But he has won a gold medal so before, so... It lessens, yeah. It lessens the blow a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a good point. I want to give a shout-out to all the qualifiers and the Americans going out for the Olympics. If you haven't seen it, it's been broadcasted on ABC and stuff and NBC. I was watching the gymnastics last night, and we have Simone, the gymnastics girl that's just absolutely incredible. If you guys haven't seen her, um, she's a heavy favorite. And overall, we're looking forward to the Summer Olympics, even though Brazil might be insane. But all right, transitioning now to my rapid riot, I'm going to give a shout-out to the Home Run Derby. So the MLB All-Star Game is going on right now, and the Home Run Derby, the infamous Home Run Derby, was tonight. 
and the Home Run Derby changed their style of doing it tonight where they did a three-minute clock on how many home runs you can hit. Each hitter got two timeouts, and you got a bonus clock if you hit it a certain distance. And so I thought it was really fascinating, and i got to give a shout-out to Juan Carlos Stanton, who was the champion, and... If you guys don't know, Stanton really struggled in the beginning of this year as he is one of the highest played, if not the highest paid player in baseball right now. Just signed a huge contract last year. And he was really struggling and getting a lot of criticism. But before the All-Star break, he went on a crazy tear and hit five home runs in five games. And now he is the home run champion, hitting 61 total home runs in two in three rounds. He beat out Todd Frazier, last year's champion, and he hit a 497-foot home run. Wow. Absolutely incredible. He was by far the most dominant player at this whole home run derby. And I'm glad the MLB changed it up. The home run derby is more exciting. And good for you, Juan Carlos Stan. It's good to see maybe the most powerful guy in baseball hitting these bombs. Excellent decision by MLB to do this. I think that's a much better way to do the home run derby it, I, it's just they're coming up with better ideas. I feel like for the All Star Game every year. So well, I'm glad to glad to see MLB, who has been so against change, making changes. And I, I, I mean, it goes back to like what some of these baseball players, like Bryce Harper, are talking about making baseball fun. And I, I think they're on their way to doing that. Yeah, and I, if you guys haven't known the home run derby in the past, it's always been really exciting, but it's just been so long. It's just such a long event to watch of kind of similar things, and then people, the players tired out, and uh, I think this was a really good way to do it. And uh, me and Thomas used to get together back uh, freshman year of high school and watch the home run derby together. So, all right, well, that sums up our episode here. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You guys can email us any questions you have at rametownriot at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening.